0: All right, if you have your Bibles this morning, please open up to the Gospel of Mark. Uh, in that back, one-third of your Bible, I'd encourage you to open that on up. And uh, uh, we're walking through the book in the Gospel of Mark, so uh, we're excited to be in this uh, early sections of Mark. And we'll be uh, finishing out Chapter 1 this morning. And uh, as I thought about this, I remember being in Texas, and in Texas we joined... Um, A uh, athletic club and we would go there to work out our kids would do swim lessons and um, when I'd go work out sometimes I'd go back into the hot tub area they had two hot tubs right at the back of each uh, of the locker rooms that you could go into and uh, many of you know that I wear contact lenses and I wear the hard lenses not the soft ones in fact they're big hard lenses and um, and if you ever get anything under a hard lens Or in there. It hurts and you can barely open your eyes. And I was in the hot tub one day and I got something in there, a chemical, and I could not open my eyes. So I grabbed my towel and got out and and walked in and was drying off my face and uh, only to find out that I had walked into the women's locker room. (laughs) And I knew I was in the wrong place. I had made a wrong turn. And we praise the Lord, no one was in there. Uh, when you look around, you don't see urinals and things on the wall. That's your first clue with flowers on the shelves uh, or on the counters. So I quickly got out of there, um, could barely see, we got back to the other side. And when you, when you don't see or you don't see clearly, you can end up going in the wrong direction and missing something. Now, I've had the privilege of traveling uh, to Africa two times, to Kenya and then to uh, Namibia, which is just above South Africa. And when we uh, went to Namibia, uh, we were serving and then we went to go up for a few days. We got to drive. I was driving on the wrong side of the road. I got to drive up uh, to a beautiful national park. And go on safari for a couple of days. And uh, we were on our own on that trip. And so we knew where the watering hole was. And if you're really patient, you just sit as the sun goes down. And you wait and see if animals come in where the watering holes are to get water and encounter them. But even as we drove, we knew there were animals around and out there um, that we were trying to see. But we didn't catch a ton of them. Uh, now, I did catch one by accident that springed in front of my car, but, uh, and I hit it, but uh, thankfully, I think it survived. But we, it's because I was so busy looking and trying to find animals, but I just didn't know where to look unless they were obvious. Now, on the other hand, I went out in Kenya at a place called Lake Nakuru. It's, it's famous for having flamingos everywhere. If you drive down upon this lake, it just looks pink. There are thousands of flamingos there, but we went with a local. A guide. I mean, he lived and breathed the land. He knew every nook and cranny, and he would say, "Shh, shh quiet." We'd be rolling up in the jeep with the top off, looking out, and he'd say, "And he would point off uh, about five hundred yards away. There's something over there." And I'm like, "What? It's just tall grasslands." But sure enough, as we approached, uh, he, he would say, "He would know that there there were lion, lions. He saw their ears. They were just lying in the brush, and we got to pull up." as close as me to this first row of chairs and see these lions in the wild. Uh, He he would see things and point them out and say, hold on, coming out from over there. And he would recognize it. It was amazing because he knew all the land. It was in his blood. It flowed through him. He was able to point things out. And so we didn't miss much there. And I think that for us as, as believers, we can walk through and we can often miss the kingdom of God at work. And if we're we're not in the right place with Jesus or right in a place of communion with him, if we're not looking in the right place, we can miss where God is at work. And as you think about the people of Israel, they had waited for thousands of years and now hundreds of years of silence in between the Old Testament and the New, and they've been waiting for the Messiah, and here he is in front of them, and they're missing it. And that's what we're going to see today uh, throughout these different parts of this story, is that the kingdom of God is near, but we could miss it if we don't know uh, what we're looking for. And so, it's always a mystery if my clicker gets to work on a Sunday morning, but there we go. Um, but what eyes do you see the world with? It's going to be our question that we look at this morning. What eyes do you see the world with, and do you know how to recognize the work of God's kingdom all around us? Um, And as we look at that, I want you to be thinking this morning of how do and how do we recognize the kingdom of God? What what are some things that give us kingdom eyes? And as I look at this, we're going to actually take a pretty large chunk of scripture, but I like to do that occasionally uh, to show you the flow, but also to help you to get to see why I believe God inspired these passages, these stories to be placed back to back to back. And so we left off with the baptism of Jesus. And Mark is very interesting because he's very brief and to the point in his modern or his uh, old time blog here. And the, the temptation of Jesus really, it gets two verses here in verse 12 and 13. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. And then immediately it goes um, to verse 14. It says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And then in verses 16 through 20, we're going to cover those in a couple of weeks when we look at all of the ways Jesus called people to follow him. Uh, He began to call his first disciples. And then in verse 21. Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed him, and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commanded even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once uh, his fame spread and everywhere throughout all the surrounding of region of Galilee. Then immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law, Simon is also Peter, as you know. Jesus calls him Cephas, uh, Peter. And uh, it says, immediately they uh, they took him, told him about her. And he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up. And her fever left her and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. He healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. Uh, And then, uh, rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next town, so that I may preach there also. And he went throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And then it closes with a story of a leper that came to him, and he healed the leper and um, commanded him not to talk about him. But the leper, of course, was so excited, he went out and talked freely about what the Lord had done. So the first thing we see in this section is Jesus is tempted. And we know from the other Gospels that uh, Satan tempted him. Uh, He tempted him with food, uh, with powers, uh, with ruling over the earth, with throw yourself off of this ledge and let the angels rescue you. And in each temptation, Jesus responded with Scripture. You see, the first thing kingdom eyes uh, need to recognize is false hope false hope satan presented jesus with false hope Uh, he presented him with false power with lies about what is good in this world and tried to tempt jesus to take that bait he does the same with us today tries to tell us the things of this world are better than the things of the lord Uh, to hold on to the temporary instead of looking towards the eternal to put ourselves first instead of the lord and others and so uh, we need to recognize the false hopes of this world, and the only way we can do that is to understand the true hope of Jesus Christ and who He is. And then as we begin to move uh, into this story, we begin to see that Jesus says the kingdom is at hand. He's trying to get the people to understand, "I am the kingdom. I'm bringing the kingdom." And we're going to see throughout the Gospel of Mark that people have a misunderstanding of what it means whenever Jesus says "Kingdom." Uh, They're thinking of the history of Israel, of having kings and being the nation among nations and having military victories, and yet now they are under the great Roman Empire. And so when Jesus says the kingdom at hand, he's bringing quite a different kingdom than they expect. And so as they do that, uh, you know, they look at Jesus and they expect that the world's kingdoms often arrive with power, pride, and promoting of their own self-interest. That's what a good king does. A good king has pride in himself. He has has power and authority, and and he advances the self-interest of himself and his people. And that's what they were expecting Jesus to do for the people of Israel. But as he began to teach, it was quite a bit different than anything uh, they had expected. And I'll, I'll just let you go ahead and advance the slide as I talk. We'll get through it. But um, the next thing is recognizing a kingdom authority. Uh, kingdom authority. And as we look at kingdom authority, we see the people began to come to Jesus and flock to him. And the more he taught, the more popular he got. And people were more interested in what Jesus was doing with his powers and what he could do for them than they were in Jesus himself. They were more interested in the gifts than they were in the giver himself. And so, as they looked at that, and and they began to think about that, it's often like uh, they, they began to miss what he was talking about. They were amazed at his power and authority, and they were amazed at who he was, but they were more amazed at what he could do for them. And I think of uh, talking to pilots or maybe a train conductor, or you ask people if they've been to a city or not. And I was talking with somebody, and they, uh, well, we were in Nashville a couple of weeks ago, and he said, well, I've only been to the Denver airport, so you can't really say I've, I've been in Denver. So a train conductor can, can stop all of these different stops, but until you go out amongst in the city and amongst the people, you haven't really been there. And I think the people began to recognize that they'd been to see Jesus, but they hadn't really gotten to know him at all. And as he began to teach, he came with this kingdom authority. Uh, authority is the idea of having full rights. It's a, the idea of jurisdiction. You're in authority over an area. You have a state of control, this ability to govern, this might And uh, often we like to put authority in an office or with a position or a title with that authority. And so in this society, if you were going to teach, especially if you're teaching from the Torah, the law, the prophets, then you would have been known to have followed somebody with authority, some sort of rabbi who taught you. But the people who knew Jesus knew he was a carpenter. He never followed a rabbi. He shouldn't speak with such confidence and understanding of the scriptures. And as they began to look at him, they they saw these different ways of authority coming out in his life. And uh, we easily see this as he comes in, and they say they were astonished at his teaching. Uh, They were astonished at um, the authority which he had, which was different, even different from the scribes. But then, from there, not only does his teaching have authority, but he spoke to these demons, and they came out of people immediately. They had not seen that type of authority where the demons even shuddered at him and he would just say a word. And the relative, the friend, the person who they'd prayed for and hoped for and just longed to be healed was suddenly healed. People with sickness would come to his door and they would just line up and, and they were getting healed and walking away changed. The earth had never seen this type of authority before. And so if we're going to recognize the kingdom, we have to recognize the one with authority. And I think one of the other things you recognize as you look at verse after verse and these stories begin to stack up on one another of Jesus doing this, his authority was consistent. Uh... One of the great tests of a prophet, or if somebody is for real, is if they're consistent not only in their teaching but in their authority over demons. And yet, Jesus' authority and his power was consistent throughout his ministry. He was able to accomplish these things whenever he willed to. There's nothing in the world that's beyond Jesus' authority, there's nothing that is beyond his ability, nothing that is beyond his control. And so I wonder this morning, do you have your hope and your trust and your sight on the kingdom's authority, not on your own? We like to take control of our own lives, and yet Jesus is the one with authority in this world. The hardest problems that we face, the hardest struggles that we deal with, Jesus is the one we can trust. He's walked through them. He's been tempted. He's withstood it. Jesus has the authority. Does he have that authority in your heart? and in your life? Or do we just come to him because of what we hope he can do for us instead of because of who he is? You know, often our our picture of someone who's in authority is somebody who does a good job of delegating. If it's a king, they sit on their throne and say, you go and take care of this, you take care of this. And um, Rachel and I have watched some shows on just the the British monarchy and, and that kingdom and how uh, they would come and and, and, I mean they're talking and they just there's people there putting clothes on (laughs) for them and uh, the queen enters the room everybody must stand nobody can sit until the queen sits Uh, and they any decision that comes through they have to wait and see what the queen says and uh, we often think of authority like that and yet Jesus as we're going to see takes authority and turns it upside down he comes and he begins to serve people. And his priorities are different than what we'd expect. He doesn't call, hey, you come here to me, you go and do this. Uh, you, you come over here, you need to serve me in this way. He's out amongst the people serving them. And his priorities shift. And they're quite a bit different than somebody who you might see has authority. You know, I don't know how you respond when ministry opportunities or things pop up in your life but our world often tells us you are your own authority and you deserve a break you deserve some me time Uh, you deserve uh, to have control of your own schedule and yet jesus recognized kingdom priorities i mean he had been out ministering and serving and he goes home for a meal and some rest and they're standing at his door clamoring just wanting to see him Do we see him say, go away for two hours and then come back? No, he stands there and ministers so much that he often misses meals, he misses rest. And so his priorities were always God's priorities. And I think we can proclaim this value as a church. We say we have open-handed love, open-hearted love for others. Well, are we open And do we hold loosely our most limited and precious resource, which is our time? Do we allow ourselves to be inconvenienced? Well, I tell you, God's timing is always perfect. It's never inconvenient. And so are we willing to give of our time to people? That's one of the greatest ways we can show love and demonstrate love, is allowing our schedules to be interrupted by ministry opportunities. How do we recognize those? That's something we're going to look at here in a moment. How do we know when to take that moment? It's interesting to me, as we look throughout these verses, is to look at and, and think about who Jesus ministered to here. Did he go to those who could give him the most political advantage? Uh, did he go to those who are wealthiest, who could contribute to his traveling ministry? Um, no, what we find here is that He goes to a a poor man. Uh, He goes to a mother-in-law. He ministers to intrusive crowds who push in on his personal time and space. And he goes to, as we'll see, and we talk more about it later in this book, to a leper, the unclean. Uh, You would walk as far away as you could if you saw a leper so that you wouldn't be harmed or stained or be ceremonially ceremonially unclean, and yet he goes up and he he touches the leper. He brought the kingdom to the least of these, didn't he? Uh, He brought his power to the powerless. He brought his love to the masses and to those who were marginalized in society, and he allowed common persons just to come up to his door, even though he had an authority like they had never, ever seen before. I wonder, how, how is it that you know when somebody cares about you? What are some ways that we show one another that, that we care? Or that somebody actually has a genuine concern about who you are as a person? I think time is definitely one of them. Um, maybe it's through a phone call or an email. Um, those are all wonderful, but I think we often feel that compassion most when somebody gets in close proximity and when they're willing to give us a touch on the shoulder, a look directly in the eye. And you see, that's how Jesus began to minister to people. Went up to Peter's mother and placed his hand on her, gently, even though she was not feeling well, and she rose up. (laughs) Went to the leper, placed his hand on the unclean, the untouchable he touched, out of care and concern. Jesus did that, and I remember... Uh, being in the Dominican Republic, and we went to a place called Smiling Faces, and uh, in that society, especially outside of the big city, it's a big difference. You you can be in this modern mall, and then go a mile away and be in a third world state where the the little digs in the road are the sewer, and there's no running water, no electricity. And uh, I remember we took our kid, two oldest kids there on a missions trip, and uh, this place, Smiling Faces. Um this pastor's wife got in her heart that uh, the people and, and kids with any kind of disability, it could, anything from uh, the scale of severe disability to just being uh, dyslexic, they were treated as if they had a demon or they were cursed by God. Um, they were, wanted to be unseen. They were pushed away in that culture. And when we went and we were able to sit and talk with them and give them hugs and play with them and kids play with them, uh, they knew that we cared. But more importantly, the people who stayed there, the believers who lived there were different. The culture began to see, the city began to see, these kids do matter. And they were calling in the government and saying, look at how far they can come with just the right love and attention upon them. They can make such a difference in our society. They are worthwhile as human beings. That's the kingdom of God at hand, showing the worth of every person. And it was a great reminder for us, and it might be uncomfortable sometimes, but you go up and and you touch and you care for somebody that society often, or you might just in your own heart, feel uncomfortable with. And that's what Jesus did. So we recognize the kingdom by knowing false hope, um, by, by understanding kingdom uh, priorities, by understanding kingdom authority, and by knowing the, the giver above his gifts. And the last thing I want to point out is here this idea of kingdom rhythms. We see here this word, and it's the word that is repeated throughout Mark. Immediately, 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 <laughs> Jesus is here, and immediately a demon man, bur- pus- demon possessed man, burst in. Immediately he went to the desert. There's this sense of urgency and this pace of Jesus' ministry. It just takes off and goes. Sounds like a lot of you. Are, I can tell you're already thinking, you're like, that's my December. <laughs> December's coming, and it's just immediately, immediately, immediately. We've got one thing after another, and it can get so, so busy. And we can even look at this and get caught up in the pace of these scriptures and miss this point in verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed, went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. See, we need to keep a kingdom rhythm in a world that tries to fight that away from us, who tries to, to push down that priority of time with Jesus, of coming away with him, push down that priority of opening our scriptures and reading and talking to God, push down the priority of making it on Sunday to be with one another. We need to find that time to be with Christ, to spend time with him. If Jesus needed that, how much more do we If Jesus needed to get away and pray and spend time with his heavenly Father, being fully man and fully God, his humanness, he needed that time with the Lord to get his priorities right, to get his strength back, ministering to people, being around people. It takes our energy. Jesus needed that time, and we're going to see it and point it out time and time again. He would slip away to spend time with the Lord and pray and commune with his heavenly Father. In fact, after Christmas, we're going to start uh, the year 2019. It is coming with a series on Sabbath and rest. What does that look like in the scriptures? And we're going to be looking at that even more deeply as we, um, Jesus begins to teach about it. And we look at that topic. But I want us this morning to think about that kingdom rhythm in our lives. Because we know that, yeah, our time is limited and realistically, we can't stop every moment we see a need. How do you know when to stop and give up your time and when to step back and realize you can't meet that need? How do you know? Well, kingdom rhythms include time for rest and reconnecting with God. When we rest in the Lord and spend time reconnecting with him, our priorities are set. What it happened to Jesus? Well, Jesus spent that time with the Lord, and even though that city had needs, they had more people who wanted to see Jesus and come to his door, he said, let us go to the next town that I may preach there, um, for that is why I came out. Uh, and so he understood that there's a difference between good, better, and best. It was a good thing to stay there in that town and to minister to those people. But he understood that the best thing was to reconnect with the Lord, and the Lord moved him on to the next city. He had a time and a limited time for ministry, and so he knew it was time to move on. And you'll see that throughout the story of Jesus and his ministry, he connects with the Lord and he knows when it's the right time to move on because he spent that time in prayer and then listening to the Lord and in reflection. And it's an important step for us because that's often how I know when to trade what's good and better for what's best, is whenever I step away with the Lord, spend time with him in prayer, and I'm like, okay, have a perspective i know where i need to head i know where i've been wasting my time i know where i've been spending that we we have to give each other that room maybe it's you saying i'll take the kids and letting your spouse go and get that time with the lord or or maybe it's you just have to get up earlier because that's the only time you have and i understand that Uh, i've had those seasons of life but trust me it is worth it to get with the Lord, to commune with him. He will refresh you and give you that strength and that perspective that you may need in the midst of busyness. Don't be afraid to hit that pause button. Even as a family this Christmas season, to hit that pause button and say, What is this all about? What has Advent all about? What are we waiting for? Who are we waiting for? What are we focusing on? And I hope you are able to do that a little bit, even uh, through this Thanksgiving season. Well, Jesus relied on prayer, and it has been said that uh, if one is to gain respect and authority, he must learn first to be under authority. And I think Jesus showed us that in his humility. He continually submitted what he saw in his humanness uh, to God the Father. And he said, I do what God the Father wills, and uh, I follow his plan for my life. And how much more should we do that? If Jesus submitted himself to God the Father, how much more should we do that? How much more should we pray and be so dependent on the Lord? If Jesus Christ, his own son, needed that, we need it as well in our lives. You know, uh, one of my favorite films, and I know it's Kendall's favorite films too, and I know Josh and my son for sure, is The Lord of the Rings. Um, I enjoyed the books, but... um, I loved how they really captured it with Peter Jackson's movies. And, and as you look at that, Aragorn is this king, and he is unrecognized. Uh, the people often don't know him, and he's out battling on their behalf and fighting and, and sacrificing his life, putting his life on the, the line to defeat evil. And finally, uh, I hope I don't give it away for all of you, but good wins. <laughs> and uh, Aragorn gets to enter for the first time this descendant of the king, and be announced as the king. And as he goes in, they begin to announce his family line and declare that he is the the rightful king and he's entering for the first time. And they said, as he begins to enter, he says, Shall he be king and enter into the city and dwell there? You see, there's another king who came down to this earth. He dwelled in obscurity as a carpenter. He was unheralded unheralded. He was humbly serving the people um, that he had every right to have authority over us. and Yet he set that aside. He had every right to scold us for our sinful choices, for ignoring him, for missing the point of the kingdom at hand and yet he laid down his own life for those who were ultimately rejecting him. And yet today He is risen, and he claims the throne of our hearts and lives. He is Jesus Christ, the second Adam, the bright morning star. He is the the mighty person of the Trinity, the Son of David, the Son of Man, the Word of God, wonderful Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This morning I challenge you, will you allow him to enter into your hearts? Will you allow him to be at the center of your heart as we move into this season and throughout your busy schedules? Because when you do that, you're going to see the kingdom all around you at work. You're going to have fresh eyes and you, you, you will know and you'll see opportunities to, to pray for somebody, to stop and give a word of encouragement. And that's my hope for us as we enter into this season is, is to know that not only is the kingdom near, the kingdom is at hand. And the Holy Spirit dwells in us so that we can bring the kingdom and light to this world. Hope in a world that is so frustrated and full of animosity and so lost in their focus. We can be the ones that bring hope. The ones that bring a different rhythm to life. And that's our hope and my desire and prayer for you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, what an amazing picture of life as it is supposed to be lived that Jesus gave us. Um, He went through temptation as we faced temptation, yet he was without sin. They didn't even have internet and his popularity to spread like wildfire. And yet his priority was always your priority and not his people and serving people, showing the gospel, the good news to people. Lord, you give us so many good gifts, but the best gift of all is your son, Jesus Christ. May we set aside time for our relationship with you and make that a priority. And Lord, I pray that as we do that, you would unveil in each of us where we need to set our priorities, where we need your authority um, in our lives. Give us that picture, Lord. Help us to know what's a good thing to do, but then what's the best thing for us to do for your kingdom? We thank you, Lord, for this time we had this morning to just spend with you, to praise you, to lift your name up. Uh, May we go out of here and be a light in the midst of darkness, uh, to show love, to reach out and show compassion, to touch those who are hurting. Lord, it's a mighty task we have to carry out your name in the gospel, and yet you want it to go through imperfect vessels such as us. So that your glory can be seen not our power not our might not our authority but yours alone in jesus name amen please stand as we close with our final songs this morning